Hey everybody, welcome to Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk. This is season three, episode 13, and I was really hoping to be talking about just a fun victory, uh, scoring a lot of points, beating the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, maybe 35 to 10 or 42 to 3, just something, something like that, but that did not happen on Saturday, but the Hawkeyes did get the victory so overall, we've got that going for us. It's just an amazing win when you think about it. Punting the ball 10 times, you get a victory. Of course, North, uh, South Dakota State punted 11 times. You know, the, the offensive struggles that were so evident, only getting one field goal offensively and getting the victory, scoring seven points but no touchdowns, just two safeties, and a field goal. I saw something saying that going back to 2000, they've never found a game that a team had won with seven points that weren't scored by a touchdown. Pretty amazing. We'll get into that more as, as, as we go along. But first of all, I just want to mention, I made the trip to Kinnick on Saturday, about a five-hour drive, went up on Friday evening, and stopped in at Wigan Penn for dinner Friday night. Always enjoy the Wigan Pen. Had the Union Jack. I like the thin style. That's my that's my go-to there. One of my favorite pizzas there is, and it was really good. So the Wigan Pen does not disappoint. And the weekend's off to a good start. Hit some tailgates on Saturday morning. Really nice day. Everything is going going well. And then the game started. And things got pretty tense pretty quickly, just the way the offense struggled. But I want to start talking about the positives in this game because there were some, some really, really good positives uh, before we start talking about the offense. And the offense, there's no two ways around it. They just really, really struggled in that game. I, I think it's probably the worst offensive performance at home, especially during the Kirk Ferentz era. And I may not be thinking of some that happened his first couple of years maybe at the helm. And I know there have been some real struggles against Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, you know, statistically, things that looked maybe worse than this. But this was an FCS team that the Hawkeyes were playing. Now, granted, a very good FCS team, one that, you know, is going to make the playoffs this year. At least they have, I think, 10 years in a row made the playoffs. And, you know, they were in the finals a couple of years ago. They were in the semifinals last year. You know, a good team that the Hawkeyes are playing from the FCS level. An elite FCS team, and but they're undersized. I just thought the Hawkeyes would really be able to run through that defensive line with our bigger offensive line, and that just did not happen. But let's go ahead and talk about the positives. Iowa was really good in two facets of the game on Saturday. We've gotten accustomed to special teams being really good under LeVar Woods. And thankfully, Tory Taylor and that punt team just did an excellent job of pitting South Dakota State deep into its own territory time and time again. Tory had an incredible 10 punts in the game. Again, teams do not usually win when they have to punt 10 times. But the Hawkeyes got the W. And Tory Taylor, he talked after the game. I believe he said that that was a new record for him. His previous record was eight punts in a game. And they asked how many times he was going to punt next week against Iowa State. He said, hopefully zero. And they said, no, I, I want to punt 
at least once or twice so I can feel a part of the game and, and feel a part of that, uh, hopefully, victory over the Cyclones. Latori Taylor averaged close to 48 yards on those 10 punts. He landed seven inside the 20. Six were down inside the 12-yard line. You know, he, along with the, the great gunners that the Hawkeyes have, Terry Roberts and now Cooper DeGene out there. Cooper had the one that he lined his feet right up at the at the goal line, didn't go over. He, he downed the ball at the one-yard line. Just some great plays on special teams. And they, they helped really pin that Jackrabbit offense back. And they, they started at the 16 on average during this game. So South Dakota State had a long field for most of this game. And that was thanks to, you know, both the defense really holding them and then this great punt team. And Tory Taylor was named the special teams player of the week. And as I mentioned, South Dakota State punted 11 times in this game. And the Iowa defense just really dominated the Jackrabbits. Well, the Hawkeye defense was led by senior Jack Campbell with 11 tackles, one tackle for loss. It was a safety. Two very important points in this low-scoring game. It gave the Hawkeyes a 5-3 lead. On the inside, Logan Lee had six tackles from that defensive tackle position, one and a half sacks. And defensive end Joe Evans is picking up where he left off last season, getting to the quarterback. He had two sacks, one resulting in the final two points of the game, giving the Hawkeyes that four-point lead at 7-3. to three. Really, the only thing that was frustrating defensively in this game was the injury to Justin Jacobs. He was having a big game. He had five tackles before he hobbled to the sideline. It didn't look good. He came back out later uh, to the sideline, and he was in street clothes. And I was really wishing he'd be available for the Iowa State game, but I don't know. That doesn't seem likely at this point, but hopefully he'll be back soon. Really, the defense was just solid in every category. The Jackrabbits were 3 of 16 on third downs. The Hawkeyes only gave up 33 yards rushing, uh, 120 yards of total offense, 87 yards passing, limiting the quarterback to just 10 of 26 attempts. And if you look at that defensive line, I was just really impressed with Iowa's ability to rotate about eight guys. And I think that really paid off in that second half. You saw a lot of uh, lineup of Joe Evans, Logan Lee, Noah Shannon, John Wagner, and then a lot of snaps for defensive end Deontay Craig, uh, Ethan Herkett, Lucas Van Ness was playing both the end and the tackle position, and Y.A. Black, a lot of snaps on the inside too, and boy is he a big guy seeing him out there. He just dwarfed the, the South Dakota State players. But that defensive line just seemed to get better and better as the game went along. I think the Jackrabbits were wearing down some. The Hawkeyes were still fresh, and they were pinning their ears back and putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Well, the defensive backfield was hit the hardest by graduations or players moving to the NFL, and they looked really good on Saturday. Cooper DeGene played a little bit of cornerback, but mostly played the cash position. You can tell that the coaches love him. It seems like they want him on the field as much as possible. He's on the kickoff return team, the punt team. He's all over the field on the defense. And Riley Moss, pretty quiet game for him, but that's good. When you're a cornerback, it means you're not getting burned. Uh, Terry Roberts had some huge plays. 
a couple of pass deflections out there, and he, he's sure fun to watch, whether it's on defense or special teams. Kayvon Merriweather, solid game, and we really expect that from him in his senior season. The guy that we knew the least about was Quinn Schulte, and he had a really good game. He had four passes defended. He really seemed to time it well. He would, he would hit the receiver. Uh, he was laying the wood on the receivers, but hit him right when the ball got there and separating the wide receiver from the ball, ball jarring it loose. And really impressive debut, or I guess debut this season, for Quinn Schulte. And South Dakota State's quarterback, Gronowski, you know, he couldn't, you know, didn't do much in the passing game. I was more concerned with him tucking it and running because he has that ability. But with the four Hawkeye sacks, he was minus 21 rushing. So great job by the defense. You can't really say anything bad that they did. They gave up one field goal, and that was after an interception by Spencer Petrus. So they did a good job of just holding South Dakota State to that field goal there. Well, let's switch over now and talk about the offense. And before I get to that, I do want to address one thing, and that's around booing and whether or not fans should boo their NCAA football teams you know, when they're performing poorly. And my answer to that is no, that should never happen. There's no reason to ever boo your college team. And just stay with me here. The reasons are, A, there's, I mean, a lot of people are doing it because they want the coaches to hear them. Coaches know that they're, they're performing poorly when they're, when they're doing things like, like the offense did in that game. But coaches are, are smart enough to know that they're, be, they're playing very poorly and they need to make changes, and they need to figure out how to get better. So I don't think that's helping, but the players are hearing it. The players' families are hearing it. There's recruits in the stadium that are hearing it. And I think as Hawkeye fans, we want recruits, we want their families, we want everybody to know that we are a good fan base, that are supportive of our football players You know, through the ups and downs. And I just don't think that there's anything productive about booing when you're at a college football game. Unless it's the refs and they make a bad call, I'm totally for it. I don't have any issue with booing there, but booing the team, I, it's just not productive. Well, when you talk about this season, I've been very optimistic. I was hearing good things about the offense. I had a 10-2 and two prediction for the season. You know, thinking a dominant defense and improved offense would allow the Hawkeyes to get to that 10-game mark despite a tougher schedule this season. But after Saturday's performance, I'm more than concerned. The good news is I have felt this way before. The Hawkeyes have turned things around. You know, in other years where they had some bad losses early, they just kept getting better and better. Or if not a bad loss, just barely escaping the win like that, that year against you and I when the Hawkeyes almost lost and then just went on a huge run of wins. So, or 2004, Drew Tate, when they just got smoked by Arizona State, had no offense, no defense, and it just looked really bad. And then the Hawkeyes rattled off eight straight wins to end that season. So, we've seen things get better and the Hawkeyes turning things around, but this was about as inept as I can recall an Iowa offense. And I know they've had worse statistics quite a few times, believe it or not, but you know, those games were playing Wisconsin or Penn State or Michigan, at least an FBS football team. And this was a game against an, an FCS team, granted, a good FCS team, 
but they're undersized. I really thought the offensive line would dominate, be able to run for 200-plus yards in this game, score a lot of touchdowns. Instead, the Hawkeyes rushed for 57 yards on 36 carries, an amazing 1.6 yards per carry. And with starting running back Gavin Williams out of the game due to an ankle injury, LaShawn Williams rushed for 76 yards on 24 carries. He averaged three yards per carry. Just didn't have many holes out there. Just couldn't ever get to the second level. I mean, he would he would be tackled either at the line of scrimmage or maybe he'd get three or four yards. Uh, probably the highlight of the running game was the jet sweep. And there was just one in this game to Arlen Bruce for 11 yards. Petrus was sacked five times. There was a bad snap, or at least one that Spencer couldn't corral. It looked like it was a little bit outside of his reach. That ended up in a sack. And for whatever reason, that offensive line just couldn't get to the second level to block the linebackers. The safeties were playing close to the line of scrimmage. They just didn't have any concern that the Hawkeyes were going to beat them deep in the passing game. And, you know, I mentioned Gavin Williams, the top running backs out. Uh, Keegan Johnson, he's the deep threat. And, and he was out in this game. He didn't play. So the Hawkeyes are missing some playmakers. But very concerning not being able to, to run the ball against this smaller FCS defense. The Hawkeyes ended with just 166 total yards of offense on 61 snaps. That's 2.7 yards per play. And, boy, if I was grading the passing game in this one, it would have to be an F. Uh, Pro Football Focus had Petrus rated as the the lowest of all Hawkeyes on that performance on Saturday. He was 11 of 25 passing, just 44% completion rate. He was around 55 to 57% last year. They've been hoping to get him north of 60%, hopefully in the 63 to 65% range. You know, making positive plays, completing passes, moving the chains. You know, you want to complete close to two-thirds of your passes, but he missed several open receivers on Saturday. I think he was, I'd read that he was one of seven when he was being pressured. He just really struggled in that category last year. Just doesn't quite seem to be athletic enough to be able to make the throws or or something is wrong, you know, trying to make those throws when he's not set and he's having to move around to avoid the rush. And even when he wasn't being pressured on Saturday, he missed some wide open guys at times. He had some nice throws as well, but 44% is really bad. You know, even even if they were playing a good defense, you, you'd want to complete more than 44% of your passes. Whew. So, you know, the bright spot of that passing game was Arlen Bruce the fourth. He had five catches for 68 yards. He is an excellent player. They just, he just needs some help out there. Uh, some other guys that can get open and and the quarterback needs to do a better job of getting him the ball. Petrus was under duress way too much in the game. The line really did a poor job of of pass protection. So they couldn't run block. They couldn't pass protect. Uh, Running back, LaShawn Williams caught a couple of passes out of the backfield, but there were a couple of times that he was just wide open. One on a screen that may have gone for a touchdown, if not just a big gainer. By the time Petrus looked to him, he was getting pressured and he hurried, misfired, incomplete pass. There was another play, and I believe it was LaShawn. He started out looking like he was going to block and pass protection. Then he released right down the middle. The linebackers weren't there. Nobody was on him. He was wide open, but Petrus kept looking to the right side, looking to the right side, never looked down the middle. 
where Williams was just wide open. Would have been a big gain or maybe a touchdown. And there was the interception the Petrus threw where it looked like a few guys were open, but he just underthrew the ball, hit the jackrabbit right in the chest. And luckily the defense held South Dakota State to just three points on that drive. Well, Sam Laporta, just two catches for nine yards. Really expected him to catch at least five passes in this game. He had one drop. I think the defender stripped the ball from would have been close to a 20-yard game, but the ball went out as he was going to the sideline. You know, Bruce was the only wide receiver with a catch. Whip was open on one pass over the middle, but Petrus misfired. And the other top tight end, Luke Lachey, just one catch for six yards. Well, in hindsight, you know, maybe I should have been ready for this. You know, you've got Bo Stevens, Logan Jones making their first ever starts on the offensive line. Tyler Ellsbury, I believe, was supposed to start, but then he's out due to injury. Nick DeYoung started at left guard. Mason Richmond struggled at times at left tackle. I thought he was going to be really good this year, and I still think he will, but he missed a lot of time in camp due to injuries this fall. And then on the right side, Connor Colby was making his first start at right tackle after playing guard last season. So now they're, you know, it, it took a while for them to switch him outside to tackle. And now he's having to learn that position. So how quickly can the line elevate its play in both pass protection as well as run blocking? They need to be good enough to get some touchdowns on Saturday to beat the Cyclones. And then they have another winnable game that hopefully they can, they can get some kinks out before going on the road to start the Big Ten. And improvement is going to have to come quickly. They have a game on film now, so we're going we're gonna to see how this all unfolds. Well, I like what Petrus said after the game. You know, they need to get back to who they are, and that game wasn't representative of who they are offensively. But, boy, how do they improve exponentially from that game, which they need to do to get a win on Saturday against the Cyclones and to have any success in the Big Ten this year. Now, I do believe that the Hawkeyes were very vanilla in this game. They weren't going to show the Cyclones very much. Uh, I think they were pretty confident that they could be vanilla and come out with an easy victory. And it was just a little bit harder than they had planned. But from a football standpoint... This was one of the worst games that I have ever sat through in Kinnick Stadium. Now, I had my son with me, and, and, and he's six years old. And so he's having a blast just seeing Herky and Jack the Jackrabbit, uh, watching the players come out and swarm Kinnick Stadium. I mean, just the innocence, seeing the game through his eyes, and, and just the excitement, the, being able to cheer and yell and scream and, and getting to experience that. And... You know, we'll be able to joke as he gets older. We'll be able to joke about this game years down the road and talk about being in a game where the Hawkeyes scored seven points without getting the touchdown and how they became the talk of the college football world due to the ineptitude on the offensive side of the ball in this game. But it's, it's amazing to me. You know, I watch a fair amount of football and you just see these teams score points have big plays, move the ball with consistency, complete passes, throw the ball deep. But for some reason, the Iowa offense just seems too predictable. And now they have a quarterback that's just really having trouble connecting on passes, especially if he's being rushed. And 
you know, he can't make plays with his feet. It's not his fault. It's just not in his skill set to be able to tuck the ball and, and have the speed to be able to run to get a first down. And it seems like, it seems to me like the Hawkeyes need to make a change at quarterback, put in Padilla, give him a chance to run the offense. He has more escapability from the small sample size that we have watching him. Looks like he can make some throws when he's on the move. And Petrus just right now seems a bit lost out there. It seems like he doesn't have a lot of confidence. And if the quarterback doesn't have confidence, I think the whole offense is going to feel that and have trouble executing at a high level. Will the Hawkeyes come out victorious next week? It's hard to pick them after watching that performance on Saturday. I had been hoping for a big victory over Iowa State, maybe a 35-10 to 10 type of a win because of how many guys Iowa State lost after last season and thinking the Hawkeyes were going to be better on offense, just really salty on defense as they are. But unless Iowa makes some big adjustments on that offense, comes out with you know, just a, a, a bigger playbook with, with more variety um, and making some big plays. I just don't see the Hawkeyes scoring a lot of points. So will the defense be able to step up enough to lead the Hawkeyes to a victory? Let's hope so. It's very concerning right now, but let's get that W against the Cyclones. I'm heading back to Iowa City. I'm a sucker for punishment, I guess. And uh, going to head back to the city in hopes that Kirk Ferentz can keep, keep his winning streak alive against the Cyclones and Matt Campbell, who he's never lost to. So let's get that O revved up this week and show the Cyclones that Iowa has always been and will always be the Hawkeye State. Go Hawks!